Martin Luther got this and he immediately replied, and this is what he said. It says, I command thee in the name of God, of course, this is in German. Do you want me to say it in German? No, I don't know what it is in German. But I command thee in the name of God to live because I still have need of thee in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that thou art dead, but will permit thee to survive me. For this I am praying. This is my will, and may my will be done, because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Now, we kind of look at this, and we read it, and we're like, man, he's like demanding stuff of God, and he's sure that it's going to happen. He even says, this is my will, and let my will be done. But notice what he adds on the end, because I seek only to glorify the name of God. And so we read prayers like this from Martin Luther in 1540. We read prayers of Paul in the Bible. We read, even you can go back and, and, and read some of the great prayers that are, are recorded for us. Think of Nehemiah, Ezra, Daniel, Elijah, Moses. All of these people, when they prayed, they prayed and they prayed with power and they prayed with confidence and they boldly went before God in their prayers. And I think it was because they had a single, single focus. Right? Here, Martin Luther, he says, I know it's going to be done because I seek only to glorify the name of God. He's focused on the glory of God. He's focused on God's work being done through the church on earth. The awesome thing is that from this story, Myconius miraculously recovered, lived six more years, and he died two months after Martin Luther died. Two months. So here, this prayer was answered. Not only did he continue to live, but he outlasted, he survived Martin Luther by two months. So when we think about this and we think about these prayers, we think about the things that, that we pray for. And I know, I think, I think I say this every time. You know, our prayers, when we think about what, what it is that we spend our time praying for, it, it kind of pales in comparison to when we, when we show these, even you know, Martin Luther or, or the Apostle Paul. Um, we're going to be in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, if you're there, Ephesians chapter 5, you can switch, or 4, sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, um, you can go ahead and turn there, but this is actually the second prayer in Ephesians, so last time I spoke here on a Sunday morning, we did the first prayer in Ephesians, uh, and we went through, and this, the, the main request in Ephesians, the, Ephesians chapter 1, it was open my eyes, right, help me to understand, have this spiritual understanding, what you're trying to do, what you're trying to show me, God, open my eyes. It kind of reminded me of, of this verse, one of my favorite verses, Psalm 119, 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. So we're coming to this second prayer, and this prayer is where, where the first one was enlightenment, right? Open my eyes. This second prayer in Ephesians, Ephesians, look, I messed it up again. It's Ephesians 3. I'm not even in the right spot. My, my verses are all messed up. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 this second prayer is enablement. So we've got enlightenment, God opened my eyes, now we're seeing a prayer for enablement. Um, so let's go ahead and just read this prayer here in Ephesians chapter 3. Starting in verse 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, 
that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant to you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So we look at this and we look at this prayer and we see the things that Paul is praying for. Um, and, and when you read through this, it kind of is a little confusing, like a lot of Paul's prayers. He likes to kind of throw a bunch of stuff on top of each other. Um, and, and depending on how you look at it, and you can read different people, there's, there's like four or five requests. Some people say there's one main request and then some results. Uh, some people say that it's kind of like a telescoping, right? They build on top of each other. Um, requests, and I kind of put it together where I think there's one main request and then some results that build on top of each other. And that's the way we're going to kind of look at it today. Uh, so we're going to look at the prayer, uh, and, and, and the, the, the main request is for power. He's asking for power, that, you, that, that He may grant to you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. But to kind of understand how we... we land there as the main request. You kind of have to back up. Notice how he started. He's the, for this reason. If you remember our, um, our, our missions week, uh, and Cameron was here, and he, he spoke on Ephesians, and he went through Ephesians chapter 1, and he talked about for this reason, right? So there's a reason, so we need to know what the reason is before we can kind of get into the prayer request, right? For this reason. Uh, it's kind of like the therefore Right? But you got to know what it's there for. you got to look back. So for this reason is how he starts out. So what is the reason? Well, the reason is, verse 13, if you back up, it says that you don't lose heart. Paul is making this prayer, and he, he goes through in Ephesians 3, and he's talking about all of these things. And at the end, he says that you don't, he doesn't want you to lose heart. Don't give up. And the thing that he doesn't want them to lose heart in doing, if you back up even further, look at verse 7 says, of this I was made, of this gospel I was made a minister. So what he's praying is he's saying, you know what, you, I'm a minister of the gospel, and we as the church are ministers of the gospel. We're supposed to be sharing the gospel, and we shouldn't lose heart in that work of what we're trying to do. So for this reason, Paul says, I'm praying for power, for strength. And it kind of made me start, start thinking. I was actually, I was out running yesterday, um, I don't run with music. I know people like to run with music. I'm too afraid of getting hit by a car to run with music. So I was out running, and I was thinking about this. And, and you read a lot in the Bible about, uh, depending on your translation, it'll say patience, or a lot of times it'll say endurance, which is probably a, a better modern English translation, the idea of endurance, right? And the idea of you got endurance, you're going to go run a race, you can go and you can finish, right? You can run whatever the distance is, you can keep going. And that's endurance. Um, and we see that a lot, right? Uh, lay aside every weight and run with endurance the race that is set before you. We got to keep going. Keep going. But here he's talking about don't lose heart in the work of the gospel, the ministry of the gospel. But instead of saying that he's praying for endurance, 
He said he's praying for strength and power. And I kind of got, got the wheels turning in my head. Okay, Greek, right, the language that this passage was written in, is very specific. And God, you know, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you know, uses these men to write these verses and, and these letters. And he's very specific in why he says the things he says. He doesn't just throw random words out there. So I'm thinking, okay, why, why did the Holy Spirit have Paul write this down and he pray for, for strength and power? He didn't have him pray for endurance. If he's saying, for this reason I'm praying that you don't lose heart, that you keep going, endurance kind of makes sense, right? But then it got me thinking a little bit more because a lot of times when we're doing the work of the gospel, we hit obstacles and there's resistance to the work God is doing. There's resistance. We hit these obstacles. And that's really to the, the church in, in Ephesus. Uh, and really, it was Asia Minor, right? This was a circular letter that went around to all these churches in Asia Minor, same time, written at the same time as Colossians, what we're studying with Pastor Jeremy's leading us through in that study. These were written at the same time to the same general geographic region. And there was a lot of persecution. There was a lot of resistance to the work that God was doing. And so that made my, my brain kind of go a little bit over into uh, physics, right? Josie and I were talking about physics a little while ago, uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, and, and this is the point where my wife would interrupt me and say, nerd alert, nerd alert. Uh, she did that every time when we were on a youth trip. And I would start off a sentence, did you know? And she would interrupt me and say, nerd alert, nerd alert. So here we go, nerd alert. Um, think about uh, physics and work. If you're going to do work in physics, here's the definition. The exertion of force, overcoming resistance, and moving an object over a distance. There you go. You guys getting warmed up for school if you haven't started school yet. Um, this, is, this is physics. But think about this. You've got you've to have energy, the exertion of force, to overcome the resistance to get something to move is what you're doing. So if I come over here and I try and push on this wall, I'm not doing any work. You guys are just going to laugh at me because I'll probably hurt myself. The wall's not going to move. So that's what work is. We're doing work. So let's take this and make, make this a little spiritual. Okay, spiritualize this a little bit. If God's work is going to be done, if we're going to do work for God, we have to overcome that resistance. And that's not endurance. I mean, I can sit here and push this wall for a long time and not get tired right? But I'm not doing anything. There's no work being done, according to physics. But you need the strength. I'm not strong enough. I mean, I guess I could punch the wall, but I don't think anybody would be very happy with that. I'd get a hole in the wall. There's resistance. Satan is out there, and he's trying to resist God's work. We'll come up on obstacles, and we need strength to get it done. And so we need the strength to keep working. It'll maybe illustrate this a little bit better. Uh, I, I was doing a race out, out west, western North Carolina, and uh, up in the mountains, and this race, um, you know, it was a triathlon, so you swim in this super cold lake up in the mountains, and then you have to go ride your bike, but there's obviously mountains, right? And it was nice because you start off the race going downhill, but then what do you have to do? You have to turn around and go back up the mountain. Right? And so we're ride, I'm riding my bike up the mountain, and right before the finish of the bike leg of my triathlon, there's this hill that was like this. Right? And there were two different distances uh, of the race, and so some, some people doing the shorter distance, we had caught up to them, and they were going up this hill, and all these people were riding their bike up this hill, and 
you can have a lot of endurance, right, and be able to ride your bike a long time, but you need strength to overcome resistance going up a hill, right? Or your bike will fall over, and then you'll crash and have scrapes on you and break your nose, and everybody will laugh at you. It's no fun. But that's the thing. We, we can have endurance, right? And there are certain times that we're told to have endurance spiritually. We're told to have endurance uh, in the work that God has done. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep going. You've got that endurance. But sometimes there's resistance. And you've got to have the strength to overcome those obstacles, to overcome that resistance to God's work. You've got to have the strength to get going. It takes some strength to go up a hill, right? You guys ever run up a hill, right? You drive your car up a hill. You have to hit the gas a lot harder to keep going. And if you want to apply that to a, a church context, think about this. The idea that on the one hand, yeah, we need to have endurance. We need to keep going, right? You get to the middle of the year, especially when it's like February. Christmas is behind you. Easter and spring break are still a long way off. It's dark outside early. It's dark outside late, right? You, you just, it's, you know, humdrum, and it's hard to keep going. You need endurance at that point to keep going, to keep doing what you're supposed to do. The Bible says don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep going. You need that endurance. But then sometimes when we're doing work as a church, there's resistance to what we're trying to do, and that requires some strength. Whether it's, you know, We've done this the same way all the time, and we've got to change it to get some, see some results and maybe reach some new people, like maybe changing youth group from Sunday night to a Wednesday night. And that's going to take some strength. That's going to take some work. It's not just endurance, right? You can keep doing the same thing over and over again, but maybe it's not the best thing you can be doing. And so there's a difference. There's endurance and there's strength. So Paul, when he's praying, he's talking to these people. He's saying, it's not just the endurance, right, to endure persecution or endure these things and keep going. He's saying, we need the strength and the power to overcome the resistance to the work God is trying to do in your city. That's what he's saying. We've got the gospel and we're going out there. He said, there's some people that are preaching false gospels. There's some some resistance maybe politically in the city to what you're doing. There's some persecution. And you know what? We need the strength to overcome those obstacles. So he prays for this here. If you go to 2 Corinthians, this is chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. It says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So this, this prayer here, he's praying for strength in your inner person. Strength in your inner person. Here with the Corinthians, he says, even though the outwardly, right, we're being persecuted and, and our outward self is wasting away, it's kind of how you feel sometimes when you're hungry and you want to go get lunch at the end of a Sunday morning service, right? Sorry, I wasn't supposed to bring that up. But your, your outward self, he's saying it's not an outward strength that we need to do the work of God. It's an inward strength. He says that even though our outward self is wasting away, our inward self, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So how is our inner self being renewed? It's by the power of the Spirit. 
the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it says here in Ephesians. Being renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this, this word power, we've kind of come across it in some of the other prayers where Paul is praying for power. It's the, the Greek and then also the Latin translations are where we get the word for dynamite. Okay, so think about dynamite. Does dynamite have some power? Yeah, it can blow stuff up. Uh, it's awesome. Those of us pyros that like to blow things up. Dynamite is fun. Dynamite can do some work. Dynamite can blast through, uh, blast through obstacles. Here's another nerd alert. Do you know? Did you know who invented dynamite? Alfred Nobel. Yes. The Nobel Peace Prize. Same guy. Think about that. Okay. Alfred Nobel. This is actually a funny story how um, in, in, I believe it was 1888, uh, Alfred's brother died and a French newspaper published mistakenly Alfred's obituary. And they said, the merchant of death is dead. And so that's why Alfred, at that point, he realized, great, I don't want to be remembered as the guy that, that uh, invented dynamite because it was being used in warfare. It was being used to blow stuff up and kill people. And so he, that's why he started with his, his last will and testament. He started the five different Nobel Prizes, right? Science and literature and the, the Peace Prize. There are a couple others. But anyway, so think about this. Dynamite. He was known as the merchant of death, because dynamite really did some work. They'd go out there and they'd, they'd blow up buildings, you know, enemy buildings. They'd, they'd, you know, get rid of the resistance and the obstacles in their way because they used dynamite. But this, this power of the Holy Spirit that we have, it's, it's that same idea, the dynamite. Think about the obstacles that we run into. Um, a lot of times we, we pray for our situations to change. Um, you know, I don't like this that's coming at me. I don't like these obstacles, God. I don't like whatever, you know, you're putting in my way. We're trying to do these great things for you, God. But really, we should be praying for the strength and power to overcome those obstacles. You take that dynamite power of the Holy Spirit that we have living inside of us, what we read in, in Ephesians chapter 1, right? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that we have inside of us. And when we come up to an obstacle through the power of prayer, we can overcome that. Holy Spirit's power is awesome. We'll get to a second. It's, it's greater than we can even imagine, right? So when we think about this, we think about, you know, we, we want to do work as a church for the gospel, we want to go out, we want to reach people. I'm trying to share the gospel with my coworker, or my friend at school or my neighbor or whoever it is. And there's just an obstacle in the way. Something, something in their heart, something in their mind. They've got, they've got this idea, they've got some weird belief. They're just resistant. And it's not just the endurance to keep sharing the gospel with them. We need that. But we need that power of the Holy Spirit to actually blast through those obstacles like dynamite. The strength to, to keep moving and keep making progress and keep doing work for the gospel. And that's Christ, the Holy Spirit, working through us to share the gospel with these people and make progress. Because we want to see progress. We want to see people saved. It's not just, oh, well, I'm out here sharing the gospel. I'm doing my thing. I'll hand out tracts to everybody I see. 
That's great, but we want to see progress. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit working through us that can blast through those obstacles and we can, we can see the progress that God wants to do through us, through the church, right? The people that make up the church. So that's his prayer. That's the main core of Paul's prayer, okay? That we will be strengthened in our inner being. We've got the strength to keep going. We've got the, the power of the Holy Spirit to, to blast through these obstacles and to keep going. But we want to see these results, right? As he's praying here in Ephesians chapter 3. He, we we kind of see it. He's, he's praying for the strength and power in our inner being so that, okay, the result is that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So the first result is that Christ dwells in our hearts. This idea of dwelling, right, the word to dwell, let me see if I've got it up here. Um, the, 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 the word dwell is, is a compound Greek word that means down home, right? You got to get some down home cooking. We know what that means, right? Somebody's down home, they're, they're dwelling, they're, they're, comf- they're comfortable, right? It's like we're going back home and you're comfortable in your own home. Uh, we, we just spent uh, not quite a week up in the mountains and we had a mountain house and it was nice and it was great, you know, renting this house and it was just us, our whole family, and it, we enjoyed it. But when you're in a rental house, you can kind of feel at home, right? Nobody else is around. You know, you're not really visiting someone else's house, but you're not really at home, right? You're trying to look, okay, where is things, you know? Is it in this closet? Is it in this closet? No, right? I was trying to cook breakfast in the morning, and I'm trying to make scrambled eggs, and, you know, it's not my pan, and it's not my spatula, and I cannot make these eggs to save life of me, right? And I'm looking, I'm pulling open all the drawers. Where is the spatula, you know? Um, doing all these different things. This oven is weird. There's one time we, we thought the oven had been on like all day and then we're like, oh no, it's off. Okay, that's weird. Like it was lights and it was weird, okay? Because it's not our house. We're not comfortable. That's the idea of being at home, being down home, right? You're dwelling in a place. When you're in your house, you're comfortable and you have free reign of everything in that house. In that, you know, you guys know how it is. You're in a vacation house, and normally there's the owner's closet that's, like, locked. It's got this big lock on it. You can't get in it. Well, sometimes, you know, when we're, when we're saved, we've got the Holy Spirit living inside of us, right? We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer in Christ, that's, that's a fact, right? The Bible teaches that. But sometimes we kind of treat it like a vacation house, you know? Okay, you know, God, you can be in my heart. But this is the owner's closet. It's locked. Don't go in there. You know, not this room. Don't mess with this. This is mine. If, if God is really going to dwell in us, to be at home in us, he's going to have free reign. It's going to be his house. He's going to go through every closet. He's going to know where things are. Things aren't going to be off limits. Right? It's not the, this is my church section, and this is my home section, and this is my work section. No, this is, all of it is God's, right? And He's going to be at home. And one of the things that the dynamite power of God is going to do is go into those rooms that we might have locked as the, you know, this is the owner's closet. And He's going to blast through some of those barriers, and it might be uncomfortable, but, but He's going to point out maybe those sinful tendencies we have, the things that we think, no, this is mine, right? You can't have it, God. 
So if we really have the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, strengthening us and we're, we're open to that, we're also going to be open to God dwelling, really being at home in our hearts. And that kind of leads us to the next area where we understand God's love better. It's where this section right here in the middle, where he says that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. See, here's the thing. The more we have the power of God living in us, the more He goes through and and His power kind of points out these sinful tendencies as we're yielding more to Him and, and He's taking control like He should have. He's pointing out these sinful tendencies, but it's not a condemning you're a sinner. It's, it's a loving, it's a loving, you know, confrontation. As we read God's Word and we, we see in the mirror of God's Word our sinfulness, we are also coming to grips more and more with the fact that, you know what, the gospel changes this. The gospel changes me. And it's His love that worked in my heart to change me to be more and more like Him. And so instead of you know, feeling guilty, we're more amazed at our understanding of God's love. Um, it was said this way by W.A. Criswell. He, he talked about the love of God in four dimensions from John 3.16. Is this all up here? I think it is. You know, he starts off, for God so loved the world, right? That's breadth. He included everybody, including you. That he gave his only son the length, the length he would go that he would even just give up his son. For us, and it should not perish the depth. You know, he reached down in our sinful, dying state, and we have everlasting life. The height, he, he lifts us up to heaven. So we think about the dimensions, the four dimensions of the gospel, and the, the more we get to know God, the more we see the gospel working, not just, you know, at this one point, I got saved, now I'm done. No, it's every day the gospel changing our lives, us understanding, you know what, I'm a sinner. I do bad things. I still have a sin nature, but God has made me a saint positionally, and He's sanctifying me, making me more and more like Him. And this work every day where we see God is changing us, we can understand God's love better because He's dwelling in our hearts. He's becoming at home. He's cleansing us. He's sanctifying us. But that's because of the power of the Holy Spirit, the strength that we have in Him. The next result is that we're filled with God, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. If you were here last week, you heard Jeremy talking about this this idea of being filled from Colossians, right? Filled with the knowledge of His will. We see this a couple other places in the Bible, filled with the Holy Spirit, the idea of being controlled by it. And here in Colossians 2.9, it says, For in Him, Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So, you know, here, here we go. Jesus is God, right? The Holy Spirit is God. And so we've got the Holy Spirit in us, so we have God in us, right, um, is the way that works. But we're filled we're filled with Him. I heard it explained kind of this way. Uh, the idea of being filled and controlled 
and in this context of this prayer of, of the, the, you know, cleaning up our lives and understanding His love, if you think of it like a, a glass or maybe a bucket uh, filled with muddy, dirty water. Uh, have you guys ever, you know, you wash your car and you've got, you know, you, you keep going and keep putting the sponge back in and it gets all dirty and nasty. And eventually you've got to clean that out. I saw this one guy who had a super fancy Mustang. Um, it has those, I, I know, I'd never have one of these, but, but you like open the door and the little, you know, puddle lights are not just lights on the ground. They're actually the shape of a cobra and it's, it's awesome. But anyway, this guy was washing his car um, and I didn't want to touch it. Um, but I saw him washing it, and, and he has his three buckets, right? He's got his dirty water and his clean water and then the water for his wheels. And we understand this, okay? You've got the dirty water. And you can't, you know, do much with dirty water because it's dirty. And so you've got to empty it out. Um, and obviously not the fastest way to do that. If you stick a hose in a bucket of dirty water and turn it on full blast, eventually that'll start diluting the water, and it gets a little bit cleaner, a little bit cleaner, a little bit cleaner, stuff is overflowing, getting cleaned out. And if you leave it there long enough, it's not a quick process. You leave it there long enough, eventually that, that water will kind of clean out. If you're washing your car, don't try that. Just throw the water out and refill it, right? But think about this. If, if God is filling us, the Holy Spirit is filling us, we've got these sinful tendencies still. And it's, it's not an overnight process. Nobody is expecting you, as soon as you accept Christ as your Savior, to be perfect, right? It doesn't happen like that. If that happened to you, come talk to me, and I'll figure out how I can change, okay? It doesn't happen that way. But it's a slow process. The more we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the more we yield to His control, the more He points out these sinful tendencies in our lives and helps us change and correct them and gives us the power to do that, we start kind of clearing out a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more. And that's that process, the progressive sanctification, if you want to go your theological term there. So as we're filled with God, He is controlling more of us, and He starts to change us. That's the thing, right? It's not us, right? He's at home in our lives, and He's going around, and He's cleaning things up, and He is the one that's doing it, not us. We're yielding to the Holy Spirit's control. It's by His strength that we're changed, His power that we're changed. And remember, this is what we just talked about. It's by His power that other people are changed too. So when we're out there sharing the gospel while He's also working in our lives, it's the same power that's working in other people's lives, blasting through those obstacles, bringing them to Christ as well. So these things are working at the same time, right? It's not that you get to a certain point that I'm spiritual, now I can go evangelize. No, right? This is a constant process. God's working in you. He's working in other people. It's always happening or should be. It should be. Then we kind of come to this at the end, this, this answer. And you don't really see it at first glance, but look at what he says. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. See, Paul had confidence in God. Just like we, we read Martin Luther's prayer at the beginning, 
And he said, I know this is going to happen. Paul was confident. When he was praying this prayer, it wasn't just a, you know, God, if it's your will. No, we know that this is God's will. We know it's God's will that people get saved. So we can pray that. We can pray it with confidence. And the thing is, is that it's not just, you know, us, us, us praying this and hoping for an answer. It's us praying and knowing, God, you will answer it because this is, this is what you want to do. You want to save people. You want to see lives change. You want to change my life. So go ahead and do it, and we can be confident that it's going to happen. And in here, he says, now to him who is able to do, in ESV, what I read here, it's far more abundantly. Um, when I first you know, memorized this section, it was in King James. Um, my church growing up used King James, and it's the exceedingly abundantly. Um, and, and it kind of, it, do, it doesn't really flow off the tongue very well in English. And that's because uh, scholars who know a lot more than I do think that Paul actually coined a Greek term here that he wrote. Uh, and so it's kind of hard to translate because nobody else would say this in Greek. Um, but it's just this idea of above and beyond and infinitely off the charts, awesome, right? Exceedingly abundantly. Um, so it kind of, we stumble over it. I like to stumble over it in English because Greek readers would stumble over it too exceedingly abundantly. Think about it. He's got the power to do it. Not just the power to do whatever, but to do even more than that. He's got the power to do way more than we can even imagine. We don't even have an idea how powerful God is. You know, think about it. We're here in church, and we sing about God's power, and we read about God's power, and all of these things. Um, we don't even have an idea. We have no clue, right? He spoke and flung the universe into existence. And that's about the closest we can grasp of how powerful God is. <laughs> you know, we, we see these stories, we read these things about, you know, he raised Lazarus from the dead. He raised himself from the dead, right? Jesus rose. He created everything we see. But even that doesn't scratch the surface of how powerful God is. And one of the things that is so comforting is that when we pray, not only are we praying to the person who has the ability to do something, but he has the desire to do it as well. I mean, you think about it. We, we read in Hebrews, right? We can come confidently to the throne of grace, right? Because he understands us. He knows us. He loves us. And we can have that confidence. But you think of something that's going big in your life. You need, you know, maybe you need money for something, right? You can, you can find the richest person, richest person you know, right? Or maybe even somebody you don't know. Let me think, you know, like Bill Gates. Let's write Bill Gates a letter and ask him for some money. Do you think he's going to answer? Probably not. Does he have the ability to? Yes. He's not going to answer us, most likely, okay? You share those things on Facebook that say, if you share this, Bill Gates is going to give you $1,000. Don't share it. It's not true, okay? Um, just... FYI, little public service announcement. Um, but you can ask Bill Gates. He's got the, he's got the ability, but he doesn't have the desire, right? If you need some money, you go ask Elijah for some money. Do you have any money, Elijah? No. <laughs> I'm working at the shaved ice stand, man. Okay. Elijah probably can't help you buy a car, right? Um, he might want to. He's a nice kid. Elijah might want to. He's saying, no, I want to buy myself a car first. He might want to. He doesn't have the ability when we go to God with our prayers, and we say, God, this, we really have this desire. 
It's for your glory. And you know you want to, you know, we know that you want to do this anyway, right? You want to save this person. You want to change their heart. You want to change their life. God, you want to change my life. Not only does he have the desire, he has the ability to go with it. Even more than we can even imagine. Where I was, I'm getting a lot of this material, the book, um, Beyond All You Could Ask or Think, right? Kind of taken from this passage here. He challenges the readers, Dr. Ray Pritchard does, the author, to, to think about, you know, if the Apostle Paul came to your church and was your pastor, and he looked around and he saw, okay, you know, what can we do to reach our community? Think about it. Think how big, big ideas, right? And we've got some big ideas. We've got to reach our community here at Community, right? So you think about that. God can do it. And you know what? Think even bigger than that. God can do that too. Think about your, your little sphere of influence, whether it's your school, your neighborhood, your, your, your workplace, whatever it is. Think about how God could change that sphere of influence. Those people that you come in contact with every day, every week. What would God do? Imagine. Imagine. What could God do if, if He used you to share the gospel and to, to work, right? He worked through you in making a difference in those people's lives. Imagine how awesome that would be. God can do that, and He can do a billion times more than that. What I think about is that, you know, we focus, again, you know, on our problems. Our focus should be on God. Not, man, this right in front of me, this obstacle. Man, my sinfulness. Get your eyes off yourself. Put your eyes on Him. You know, remember what sparked the prayer. For this reason, it's for the gospel. I'm reminded in Acts 17, one of the charges against Paul was that he was part of the group that turned the world upside down. It's Acts 17, 6. Turned the world upside down. These 12 men, right? And really, I guess you could go out to the 120 that were, or however many, were in the upper room, and they were out there, you know, sharing the gospel. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit, it, it was accused that they turned the world upside down. What could Community Baptist do? The people here in this church, what could we do? If for this reason, the idea of the gospel and the work of the gospel, we went out there in the power of God, strengthening us to blast through those obstacles, imagine what we could do today because of His power. If they turn the world upside down, the world could be turned upside down again. Could, could use that. God can do more in our lives than we could even ask or imagine in our wildest dreams. So when we are praying every morning, when you have your quiet time, if you're a morning person like me, and you're praying, and we pray through these different prayer requests, add this to your list. God, strengthen me. Strengthen our church with your power. Because we know you can do more in our lives than we could ever ask or imagine in our wildest dreams. And we know you want to and you're able to. So God, do this in us individually, in us as a church, in the church universal. 
to reach people for the gospel, right? For this reason, we, we need to be strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit in our inner person. God can do this work in other people. He can do this work in us. And He can do so much more than that than we could even imagine. Let's pray. God, I just thank You for Your Word. I thank You for this church. I thank You for the people that You have brought here. God, I thank You for the power to to serve You. I pray that You would strengthen us individually and as a church. As we go into this school year and we think about new classmates, whether it's in elementary or middle school or high school or college, maybe as we, we have new people joining our offices at work, people moving into our neighborhoods. God, these are all new opportunities for us to share the gospel. As our schedule changes here at the church and we've got clubs on Wednesdays and Sunday school Sunday night and church in the morning like we have every Sunday. God, these are opportunities that we need your power to work through us to reach our community. I just pray for boldness, God, as we share the gospel. For the faith that you will save people. You will draw people to yourself. Like you've promised, you will build your church. And God, we are trusting you to do that. We're trusting you to work in us and through us, changing our lives, cleansing our lives, starting the revival in our hearts, and then the power to to overcome that resistance in our community and our culture against the gospel. We know you are willing and we know you are able more than our wildest dreams to save souls and to change our culture. God, I just pray that you would do that. We're trusting you. We're trusting you to work and trusting you to accomplish your will here on earth. God, we pray all of these things in your name and for your glory. Amen.